Greetings, fellow readers and travelers. Welcome to episode 10 of Stats on Stats here on the Penultimate Conquest. Today's topic is our discussion of The Good Guys Book 1, One More Last Time by Eric Eugland. Before we get into our discussion, we have a little housekeeping we're going to go through real quick. If you're watching this on YouTube, consider dropping a like and sub, and don't forget to hit that bell to get notifications for all of our shows, like The Penultimate Game Show, The Cross Media Show, Anime Nation, and our Marvel Mondays initiative. If you're watching this on Twitch and have Amazon Prime, you have Prime Gaming, which means you have one free sub to give out. We'd love it if you gave it to us, but if not, that's all good. No worries. This week on Penultimate Conquest, we have Marvel Mondays initiative crew will be covering the Guardians of the Galaxy review, and I'm very excited to hear their thoughts. On Wednesday, we do have the Cross Media Show, we are not 100% sure what that is yet, but keep keep a lookout. We'll make that announcement soon. Also, Ruben will be streaming Final Fantasy VII Remake and Ghost of Tsushima throughout the week. I am your Wood RPG expert here on the Penultimate Conquest, Richie Stevens, and today I am joined by Anthony, the guy who knows a lot about comic books. How you doing today, yes. buddy? That is a very good description uh, for today. I spent most of the day watching My Hero Academia with my little sister. Got her into that. She loved it. Very excited to go down that road with her. All right. So before we uh, dive into our little topic today, I have been trying to get the the crew of Penultimate Conquest to read some lit RPGs. I got John to read um dungeon crawler carl because i sent him a copy of that and when i reached out to the chat because uh my normal co-host joel is actually in the process of moving and prepping for dragon con he couldn't be with us this week so that's fine but i was like hey i need a i need a secondary person who uh who wants to be on the show and you reached out to me and you're like hey i would like it so i got a little you know, feedback. And I was like, Hey, what do you want to listen to? And you said, ah, fantasy. I want some fantasy stuff. So I sent you the description of one more last time for the good guys. And you're like, yeah, that sounds good. So I, I ended up buying you a copy of it. And I just want to welcome you to the world of gamelet and what RPG. What, what did you think of like this experience when you sat down and started reading? Like, what were you expecting going into this? Well, I wasn't entirely sure because, you know, I like fantasy uh, on its own. I always enjoyed that. Obviously, video games, very fun. enjoy them all the time. Um, I hadn't realized that the lit RPG was basically like Rising Shield Hero and like all those anime that have been coming out recently. Because mm -hmm. uh, when those started out, I think the first one I saw was like Konosuba. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed those because it's fantasy, which I like. And then that one was comedy. And, you know, they're all kind of different as you make your way through. Some of them not great. Some of them very good uh and so when i jumped into this i was like oh it's like that but in book form yeah, which like when i got uh rising shield hero it came with like a little snippet of parts of the book so i was like oh yeah that's a thing in japan okay cool i didn't know they were so prevalent uh as it was so the lit rpg genre is absolutely fantastic um i mean i talk about it way too much i'm pretty sure the chat gets a little bit annoyed sometimes and that's okay i i have my brand and i stick on brand but 
I love this genre of books, and it's hard for me to go back to listening to like just basic fantasy or basic sci-fi after diving so far into these. I mean, there's some mm-hmm. that I do, and it's just wonderful, and it all really comes down to the authors at that point. Yeah. But the lit RPG genre is just where it's at for me. And it's like what you said with having the different animes of like Rise of the Shield Hero, uh, Sword Art Online for sure is that is lit mm-hmm. RPG, but anime. Mm-hmm. So I I love this. And it's just, it's one of those things where it really just strikes home for me. And I mean, I love video games, all that stuff. So the lit RPG genre and the isekai and all that stuff really just is fantastic here. So we're going to go ahead and dive into the topic of the day, which is One More Last Time by Eric Euglin, Good Guys, book one. And I'm going to read you all the titles of the books before the show's over, probably after the summary. Mm. And it's really good. They're they're all great. They're all great titles. Mm -hmm. So the description and the summary via Kindle. A ruined life, a broken heart. He thought it was the end and his gun sat ready to make sure. But an oddball offer from his only friend comes at the literal last second. Curiosity gets the best of him, and he finds himself sucked into Incarnate, a game claiming to be a whole new life. Now as Montana, the larger-than-life tank warrior, he has one more last time to get his life right. One More Last Time is the first book in The Good Guys, a lit RPG game lit saga. If you like fast-paced adventure, RPG mechanics, and a sweet level progression with deep magic and a game system, this book is for you. It has notes of the land and classic Dungeons and Dragons campaigns and stars a lovable idiot of a main character who seems or who can't seem to shake his dark past and find a quiet life he wants. Now, I want to say how accurate that is, especially the lovable idiot, because Montana is an idiot and see when i go to say his name i want to say his full title that he gets towards the end of the book but i can't because you haven't really heard that title yet because there's a lot of stuff you just haven't experienced yet but what did you think of this what did you think of this book so this book uh started out in an interesting place for me um you know i saw a gun in the the description I'm like, oh okay so we're gonna start in a bit of a unique place and then we'll see where it goes from there and uh, it was certainly much more unique than i expected um a lot of these uh again my reference for this is kind of anime and so very rarely do you see someone who would in you know modern normal society carry a gun end up in a in an isekai kind of world fantasy world and so he starts from a very unique place in his life, is uh, I guess how we'll put that. Uh, and then once it gets into the traditional fantasy kind of world, it slows down like a lot. And it's him, I guess, literally breathing in his new life and this world. And uh, for me, the, the beginning section of the book wasn't as big of a hook Um with the the mountain and that kind of section. Okay. I picked more up when he had more characters to interact with in the city 
learning about the world, getting a good job, that sort of stuff, where we could be more of a character than just him in these situations. Um, that helped me enjoy the book so much more and is what kept me going because those character interactions, those dynamics and that sort of stuff. So early on, it, was, it wasn't hard to get through, but it did take a bit uh, to get to what I liked more, which was the characters be, being around in the world, exploring it, and seeing more of uh, a less desolate kind of version of this world. Okay. So, yes, we start out with the book with it's it's really dark. His um, we'll we'll refer to her as the girl because we mm -hmm. never really learned her name even throughout the series. I still don't know her name. Oh, okay. Um, she's dead, and mm -hmm. that causes some very un pleasant people to go after our main protagonist of Montana and just I love the name Montana by the way because it does just speak for his character because he's just big he's he's a big <laughs> dude and Montana mm -hmm. is a big state so he's ready to kill himself at the beginning of the book and he's he's very depressed and it's just a very dark opening it is a really dark opening. And I was I listened to the audiobooks. And Neil Helligers, who was on our show two episodes ago, does a fantastic performance. He absolutely kills it with these books. And it really shows in a lot of the darker scenes just the emotion that Neil puts behind the, the character and just the thoughts of Montana. Where when he finally does get into the world, he gets, you know, that um, invite to incarnate, which I love that it's spelled I N Karn eight, like the number eight. Mm -hmm. Once he gets in there and he meets Mr. Paul, our loving deity of a character, which to this day, he is still referred to as Mr. Paul. And I love every second of that. But where everything kind of like starts to pick up. I think honestly it picks up a little bit while he's on the mountain and he's trying to go down the mountain. One of the mm -hmm. funniest moments in the book, like to start off, like, you know, he has respawns. He only has a limited number of respawns and we don't know how mm -hmm. many numbers of respawns he has, yep. which the bad guys, uh, the other series does take a little more uh, explanation with how many respawns you have and all this other stuff. But he also has people watching him. Like, his, sh his life is on broadcast. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't know this. He, anytime Mr. Paul, like, tells him that, he has to, like, you know, kind of wipe his mind. He's like, oh, yeah, you're not really allowed to know that. So there's a lot of unique little mechanics that go into play here. But when he's going down the mountain, he's like, how am I supposed to get down this mountain? How am I supposed to survive? I'm on the peak of a mountain. It's snowing. How am I supposed to? I'm, I'm just going to sled. I'm going to shield yeah. surf down. And the first thing I thought of was pulling out a master shield or the Highland <laughs> shield. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Going yeah. to the top uh, of the mountain and just trying to snowboard down it as Link mm -hmm. in Breath of the Wild. That's the first thing I, I thought of. Like, that's what I pictured. Just this big, bulky guy. Mm hmm. It's a it's a great way to kind of start because obviously he's plucked out of this very stressful scenario, placed in what is effectively a peaceful one, mm -hmm. 
it's a bit odd to be, you know, thousands of feet in the sky and freezing cold. But on the whole, he takes a moment, he looks around, and it's, it's beautiful to be up there above the clouds, see the sun and all that. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to surf down. Does he realize how high up he is? Probably not. Does he care at that moment? No, he wants to have some fun. And, Just and enjoy no, himself. You're, you're right. He doesn't realize. And it's kind of because he's an idiot and his <laughs> intelligence stat is very, very low. It is lower than it probably needs to be. But we're going to get into his stats here in a little bit. The whole thing about this mechanic of the world and the fact that he's just thrown on top of a mountain I love mm -hmm. but he wants to live a peaceful life once he gets into the world he just wants to go fishing that's all he wants to do he just wants to yes. you know live out a very peaceful life he's done trying mm -hmm. to be essentially a person who does he just wants to mm -hmm. be well that doesn't really go according to plan because we get to a little village and it stuff hits the fan stuff really hits the fan also you, you know what i'm gonna have a little bit of language this episode because this book has a lot of language and i'm pretty sure montana's favorite word is just fuck it is there's there's no ifs ands or buts about it it's his favorite word is just fuck mm -hmm. um so what did you think of like his first real encounter with people like once he gets to the little mountain town all that stuff he just like he's like yeah i just want to you know live out mm -hmm. it's it's interesting because you know he's not aware of what sides are what he's just i am here there are people who are clearly in a bad way i'm just gonna do what i can i'm not sure what that is in terms of how my stats translate to this world <laughs> but i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna learn and consequences be damned right now and uh, it's a very good kind of way for Cam to make a good impression in terms of the, you know, first impressions and everything, especially with his past. <laughs> uh, he tries to do, I don't know if it'd be what he wouldn't do in the normal world because, you know, there's no magic and various things. But he was never uh, too worried about putting himself in a bit of a dangerous spot. And so it was nice to see him be creative and think on his feet and deal with weapons and situations that no normal person is really used to dealing with. Uh, and to, to see him tiptoe his way around, like, uh, they speak this, they say this, I have a chair or whatever kind of environment he has at his disposal, and he thinks about it and he uses it, which is nice to see because it doesn't always happen in a lot of these kind of stories. Right. So the environment got to be ignored. So if you were in the shoes of Montana, we're just going to the title he goes by at the beginning of the book is Montana. No name because he doesn't have a last name. He just he is just Montana. Do you think you would do the exact same thing he does or do you think you would try to be a little more tactical about it as well? I would probably try and be a bit more tactful because uh, in like normal life, I don't want to be stabbed or punched. And so, but you to have the best you of have my regeneration. Ability, you, you would have I, like all that mm -hmm. stuff. Like, yeah, you're going to get yeah. hurt in this world. Yeah. And 
I think it's a good idea to minimize that as much as possible <laughs> in any circumstance, whether I have, whether you start out with this crazy gear, which you immediately lose or, or not. Okay. Um, so <laughs> you're thrown into a fantasy world. I always ask this of, uh, our new, new mm. members, except mm. I don't think I got to ask Neil this. I know I asked Ryan this and mm. I know I asked James for sure. And us L. Roland. You're thrown into a fantasy world. And I asked this poll to the chat if you would rather do fantasy or sci-fi. Most of them said sci-fi. I can't remember what you said. But I was I'm more of a fantasy guy. All right. Mm-hmm. What would your typical build be? You get to customize your race and your class. What would you go for? I uh enjoy archery, uh, in terms of these these kinds of games. I would always like to do that at some point in real life. Uh haven't got around to it at this point, but um, archery has always been a, a thing that I've enjoyed. So whatever you want to ascribe to that, whether it's ranger or wood elf, whatever it may be. Okay. I can, uh, I can respect that. I mean, I'm all, I, I would, I always say I would either be a spellcaster or a paladin. Like that's just, mm. that's my, my thing. Like, but I, I feel like with, in this case, I would definitely be a little more along the lines of Montana and I would go barbarian just to be a tank and mm-hmm. to be a straight up powerhouse because I actually made a character in uh, Divinity Original Sin 2 that is very mm-hmm. Montana-like. Mm-hmm. But I added a little necromancy to his uh, powers just to keep that blood and stuff going. But mm. oh, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But it's a little outside of my comfort zone. That's one thing I like about this uh, this book is the character of Montana is not your typical RPG main character. Mm-hmm. Montana, in my opinion, would be one of the more side characters. And that's why I like the series. Because it's giving time to shine on just the brute and the badass. Like he just does. He doesn't think about it, and it come. There's a lot of consequences he has to deal with for that, but mm-hmm. he just does. Like he gets into a situation, and he's like, "Yep, all right, I'm gonna do this." And Nikolai, a character we meet a little later in the book, uh, who plays a very, very big role, and actually might be one of my favorite characters in the series. Um, he. He likes to refer to Montana as an idiot. And he is not shy about letting Montana know that he is an idiot. Mm-hmm. What were your um what were your thoughts on, you know, Clive and the rest of the the crew once you finally got to meet them? Mm-hmm. Uh It was nice to have uh these consistent characters for him to have a banter with mm-hmm. uh even as minimal as it was in the beginning with his uh i don't know buggy partner where he would sit and to try and talk to this individual and to just have none of no correspondence just grunts nods mm-hmm, and just is that owen i believe so but uh yeah yeah i like it so once he finally gets you know 
met up with some people and they start asking him, you know, like, where are you from? Like, what's, mm-hmm. what's all of this? And he has to like, kind of think on his feet for a few moments because he can't really reveal, Oh, I'm from another world. I'm just from <laughs> a small place, like a small town. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, I grew up in the mountains. Like we didn't really have anything up there. Nothing like I didn't have an education. So I don't know any of this stuff. What? <laughs> Like, I feel like even people in the mountains would know that. And, like, they even kind of call them out on that. They're like, wow, you must come from a real shithole if you don't know any of the Empire Mm -hmm. or anything really about the world of Veldrani. Which, that is the world is Veldrani. And I think, one, that's just a unique name. Two, the world is beautiful. Like, once he gets out of the mountain town and everything and starts actually getting to explore the world... The world is just absolutely gorgeous. And there's so many locations that he's going to be going to to meet and everything, uh, which you'll get to a few of them uh, as you progress through the series. I think right around book... I would say book four is really when they settle down in one area. But he ends up going to a few places to deal with uh, the different locations. I'm trying... I went. I had to go back and I re-listened to the series or the first book because where I'm at, I'm I just finished book ten a few weeks ago. All right. Book eleven's about to drop on Audible soon, but I've been reading it on Kindle and it's just it's a masterpiece. So, where was I going with this thought? The quest system. Yeah, we're we're gonna dive into the quest system really quickly. What did you mm-hmm. think of the like the, all the prompts and everything of the quests and what's going on? I liked uh, how they tied it to the the deities and how quests are things that can just happen and it's so kind of vague in terms of its uh, how it works and how people are just it's just one of those things where if you're born in in that world and that's your experience with life it just is what it is so you don't think to question it you don't think to go too deep into it and so it was it was funny to see an outsider try and have to grapple and understand it this is very much a culture shock really of his experience through that yeah you're right you're absolutely right um so with the I don't want to give a lot of spoilers away because that's one thing mm-hmm. I don't really like to do. I, I like to save those for the review episodes that Joel and I have been working on, which trying to get him to read this series has been a struggle mm-hmm. because he's listened to the first few books. And Actually, I'll paint you a picture really quickly. So I used to work overnights for uh, Kroger. Well, I, um, I worked in the general merchandise department, so I just kind of stocked, didn't really do anything. So I, I listened to audiobooks the entire time. And this was going on during the pandemic that like the start of the pandemic. That's when I dived into this series and I powered through the first three books. And then I powered through the first two books of the good guys. Cause that's what was up to date when I started and I had fell off. And then I was like, you know what? I've been, I've been craving the good guys again. I need something that's a little more funny. That's got like the humor and like just the idiocy to it. So I dived back in. And I have been, I laughed like a madman 
at a lot of these parts that I'm like, I probably shouldn't be at work listening to this series, but they're so good. They're so good. And with one thing with listening to a lit RPG versus reading the lit RPG for me specifically is when they get to the character sheet and all the stats on stats. Um, <laughs> a lot of the numbers kind of blend together when I'm reading it on a like on a page, but hearing <laughs> the the stats come to me, like I'm just like, oh, okay, so he's got a 20 inch strength. He's got you know a 15 or no a 22 in constitution, a 10 in intelligence, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. that's where it really kind of like goes, oh, oh, wow, this is, this is a lot. And he progresses a lot in this book, where in a lot of lit RPGs, like in the first book, you, he gains like a few levels. No, he gains 10 levels by the end of the first book. And that's where the choice system comes into play. Because I don't think he, I don't remember if he gets it at level five, but like every like five levels from like think level 10 on he gets a choice system to where he can kind of choose his class and everything like at first he's a nobody he doesn't want to do anything he's like yeah i don't want to but he ends up like getting like a berserker class and stuff like that and it just gets really really in depth joel doesn't really care about the action scenes and all that stuff or the emotional aspects he's about the world building and the mechanics Uh, I'm about the emotional turmoil and like the action mm -hmm. and like just the dialogue. I love that. Like, I love the interacting between characters. Um, I'm a bit sappy. I'll admit it. I like when there's some romance involved. So anytime he brings up the girl and like, he like goes on memories about the girl and everything that kind of hits home. Like it just like, it's like, wow, man, he lost someone he truly cared about. And that sucks. That really sucks. But it's just one of those things. It really just, it builds the world together so much. And like Eric Ewan does a great job with the world building and the mechanics, but he also does a really good job with the dialect and how certain characters are treated due to their race. Um, I don't remember it being a huge issue ish in the first book but throughout the series especially like with the Lutra like a lot of people are just like no why are they here and there's I think it's in book five or I want to say it's in book five four or five Um, he gets to kind of bring in a couple mancers you know spellcasters and stuff They're, they're called mancers in this world and one of them's like, no, if you take that one, I'm not coming with you because he's a human. He's, you know, stuck up like most humans are. And he's like, all right, bye. I don't want you here. Like, I, I paid your debt off. You're good. Go. Bye. I don't want you here. Leave. And just the Montana's. I want to say fuck meter. Like, he just doesn't care. He really doesn't care. Like he, you say the wrong thing, he's just gonna kick you out immediately. And that's that's one thing that Eric Uglin does such a good job at giving the no fuck personality when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like he has zero tolerance. He's like, nope, 
fine, screw it. Don't want you here. What did you think of just like the personality Montana develops throughout the first book? I I did like it. It was, um, you know, whenever you're put in a situation where you don't know people, you're not sure how to approach conversation, whether you're the new guy at work or school, wherever you are in life, everyone can kind of relate to what Me. is my, what is my social interactions? How much am I going to have to talk to you people? What, like, what is all of that? And so to put this cavalier, I don't care. We're going to do stuff and it's going to be either awesome or shitty, but it's going to be what it's going to be. And it's going to happen. Bring it <laughs> kind of guy in there into this world, which has all of its hangups and its social classes and, the history that he just is oblivious to. So he's like, it is a good day. I'm going to have some food. Hopefully I'll do a good job at work. Yay. <laughs> so it's nice to kind of see that kind of laid back kind of exposure from this very serious, very uh, structured world. And uh, it was, it was fun to see him kind of mangle his way through this kind of social structure. So with what you've read of Montana and how he's kind of, the personality he's kind of developed through this uh, first book. Mm. It changes a little bit, but not by much by book 10. I can't speak mm -hmm. for books past book 10 just because I'm not, I'm not far enough through, but what would you, th do you think Montana is a person you would get along with? In the right circumstances? Yes. Do you think you would get along with any of the characters more than another? Personally. Like me, I feel like I Nikolai or Nikolai and I would be best friends because Nikolai mm -hmm. and I have very similar personalities. Like the way Nikolai kind of talks down to um Montana a little bit, mm -hmm. it, it gets it gets worse. That's my relationship with my best friends. My best friend I've known since kindergarten, so for 20 years now. I've known him since 2001. Him and I talk to each other that way, and a lot of people are like, do you guys like hate each other? And they're like, no. No, we don't. Because mm -hmm. we'll even do it while we're playing Call of Duty, and we'll be in game chat. And people mm -hmm. are like, are you guys actually mad at each other? No, we, we love each other. Like We're, we're best friends. Mm -hmm. That's just that's the relationship we have. So I feel like Nikolai and I would have that kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. So do you think you would have any sort of relationship like that with anyone? Like, do you think you would get along with Montana more than Nikolai? Or would you get along with Clive more than Nikolai? Or I never really thought about that. But uh, I guess Montana is the, the get things done, even though he doesn't want to be. You know, he wants to fish. <laughs> but life is not, uh, he's not at that point in his life where he can just fish. Uh, I think I would get along with him because he does a lot of just like, it's got to be done. I'm going to do it. And that's very much how I kind of have to be in life is where I'm in the situation. There's 10 things to get done. I'm going to just start and I'm going to figure it out. Someone's going to say something's wrong and I've messed this up and yada, yada, yada. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to learn from that. I just have to push forward. Consequences are what it is at this point and just make the best of it. And that's kind of where uh, I feel like I can get along with that pretty easy <laughs> see and that's the uh, that's the absolute beautiful part about it because 
I listen to these books while I'm at work, even still, because I work for a, uh, we'll, we'll say a chip company since I work for them and I don't want them to be like, hey, don't throw our name <laughs> out there. Um, mm-hmm. I listen to these books while I'm in my stores doing my job and everything because I travel between different stores every day. And mm-hmm. just Montana's personality kind of gets me to where I want to go. Like, I just do. Like, I put my mm-hmm. headphones in and I just go. And I still greet every customer that comes in. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if someone comes in, I'm like, hey, you guys looking for anything today? Oh, yeah, they're right over there. They're going to be right past the uh, tortilla chips. And I'll just direct them in the proper way and everything, but still engage with them. And I feel like a little bit of Montana rubs off on me in that way when I listen mm-hmm. to these books. But then I listen to something that's more world mechanic, and I'm just like, uh, I, I'm too focused on this. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. so with the stuff that Montana really gets done like he gets some really cool abilities and he also gets a really cool weapon he gets the Hell Reaver great sword which whew, that that that's a sword that is a big old blade I forgot about that blade because he gets a few other weapons from then to to now, and that sword, oh boy, is it a does it have some special abilities? Because it has the does like additional damage to someone evil and all this other stuff. Mm. Um, he gets his ability where it's grand entrance, where once a day he can make a grand entrance to where everyone will kind of like notice him and everything. I would exploit mm-hmm. that to every little being if i had that i would definitely not use it for good and it's probably a good thing i don't have it because <laughs> i would be very arrogant with that because i already have a little bit of arrogance to myself i would use that completely <laughs> do you think uh any of his abilities that he got really stuck out to you more than another it was interesting to see uh because, you know, in D&D or RPGs, whatever, you see these stats go up and like, you know, Persona, Charm, you're able to go down this path. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't normally put a lot into like strength and then think about how that impacts the world that I'm in. And so it was interesting to see a character who's not Superman, but he's not like a normal person either. And so it's this weird middle ground, which rarely is kind of explored in a lot of these stories. Because when you have super strength, you have super strength. You do all these crazy things. Uh, like a one punch man where it's just exaggerated. But this is more of like you're a guy with a job who's stronger than he probably should be. And so you're going to do some things that you're not going to think is like crazy. And, and then you're going to have to put yourself in these spots where you're like, oh, I've just I've just did a thing. You know, everyone will not stop staring and I have to now deal with this is their impression of me now and just kind of the fallout of that and he does have some people that like get those impressions of him especially like once he gets to where he's going and is doing this part of a quest there's people of the settlement that are scared of him and Mm -hmm. he's in charge of them and they're like he's bloodthirsty he's you know just a berserker he's a killer and i'm like yeah he's a barbarian 
-hmm. but he does it to protect his people. Even though he doesn't want to do anything, he still is a grand protector and he's an overall good guy. Mm -hmm. See see where Mm -hmm. the good guys comes into play. Eric Euglund, you sly man, you did it. So I'm going to read you the titles for this series Mm -hmm. because they are some of my favorite titles. Where's my Kindle app? There it is. So you have book one, one more last time. Book two, air today, pawn tomorrow. Then you have dungeon mauling. Book four is four spelled F O U R the loot. So it's for the loot. Mm-hmm. Then you have Dukes and Ladders for, for for book five. Love it because I played Shoots and Ladders a lot growing up. Uh-huh. Home Siege Home, The Bear Hunt, and Bear is spelled B-A-R-E. Eastbound in Town, Four Beheadings and a Funeral, Eat, Slay, Love, which is the last book on uh, Audible as of right now until October when book mm-hmm. 11 drops, which is Killing Them Awfully. Wild Wild Quest, which is book 12, and then book 13 has officially been announced and has a release date of March 24th next year, and it's Flex in the City. Oh my god, that is a brilliant list. (laughs) Right? So, (laughs) where I'm at currently... He's dealing with demons. So he's gone from, you know, dealing with bandits and a few other just Mm -hmm. absolutely awful people to to demons. To demons. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler alert because I'm going to prep you for one of the people he has to deal with. Um, There's a lady who who bathes in the blood of children. Okay. Yeah. She's a horrible person. Uh Uh-huh. Um, y- y- yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there, there's a lot of stuff in this series. Like, yes, it it's very dark, very quickly. Mm-hmm. But Montana's just personality just kind of like lightens up a little bit. And he doesn't take shit from anyone and that's one thing that really just it really sticks out because he has a zero fuck personality and i know i've said this a few times already but it's true he gets questioned by the captain of the guard in one of the books and like he's like no and the guard flat out calls him a liar and he replies with are you calling me a fucking liar pudgy like immediately right after like there's no break like it's instant but he builds on the relationships he does get with some um, some of the people. And uh, I'm going to read you this little expert just from book 11 real quick. Mm-hmm. There's a challenge being called at the doors, uh, Natalie said, out of breath from running up the stairs. Devil calls for a f- calls you to a fight or he will destroy Cog's Hall. I leaned back, staring upwards, and shook my head. Motherfucker needs to take a fucking number. 
What a perfect one-liner. He has some of the best one-liners because he does just like he uses his earth idioms a lot. And a lot of people are just like, "What?" Yeah, it's it's this it's the one dude who just says things. Mm-hmm. Except in in the context of this world, we know what he's talking about. It's everyone else who's like, "What is this crazy man?" It's, it's kind of like me you? when I just randomly share a meme to the chat. Like I just and like everyone's like, "Why?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I just I found a meme. I wanted to share it." Mm-hmm. Montana just has that. I think he has a very lovable personality when he's in a good mood. But even when yeah. he's in a bad mood, I just want to give him a hug. I'm just like, it's okay, big guy. You're fine. You're fine. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't know the limit of his own strength at times, too. Because, mm-hmm. like, he could just pat someone on the back and just send him across the room. Man's strong. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. very strong. What Do you think you would be that strong in this kind of world? That's that's kind of the funny thing is because when you're just dropped into it and you're not given the explanation like he's not given and you just kind of like, I'm going to put stuff here, maybe, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, you never think that because in, you know, when you do this in, in real life in games, uh, you tend to stop at the 20s around there. You to like, OK, we've kind of reached the end. We catch it. He starts <laughs> so close to that. And he has a whole life ahead of him. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. He he puts a lot of strength or a lot of points into strength. And I mean, in other wood RPGs, there's characters that put a lot of points into strength. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, Richter in the land. In the mm-hmm. most recent book, uh, he he puts about 30 points into strength when it's already like a lot. And his constitution is really high, but like he he starts to like the best thing I can think of in a way to describe it is the 2008 version of the Wolfman with Benicio del Toro and Anthony Hopkins. You know when he's forming into the Wolfman and we see it like for the first time and it, like his bones are breaking and like expanding. That's how I pictured this man pretty much becoming Conan the Barbarian. Mm-hmm. So. I Montana would probably scare me if I saw him just walking down the street in everyday life. Cause I'm like, that man's big. Mm-hmm. I get frightened by a lot of people. Montana's a big dude. I still want to uh-huh. give him a hug, but if I saw him and I didn't know him, I would turn and go the other way. Or what's worse is you just know the stories of him. And all yeah. the crazy stuff he's done. <laughs> yeah. <help> <laughs> the, this man, he deadly. He's very, very deadly. Mm-hmm. So you, you're going to be continuing the series, correct? Yes, that is the plan as a room in my book reading uh, becomes available. I don't know. People in stream can see I have many a book in all of my shelves and there's more scattered around the room and so it's, as i just progress and make room i slip things in as as space is made for my reading well orders. let me know because i will be more than happy to send you the second book when you are ready because mm-hmm. i just i'm happy you got into the series and really started to enjoy it so now we're going to talk about the item 
that I think is most prominent and most useful to any adventurer. And that is, what do you think I'm going to say? Well, you could do the, it's not the bag of holding. Or the whatever. unfillable knapsack. Yes. Mm-hmm. He yeah. calls it the bag of holding. But it's, yeah, but obvious. the mage who makes it calls it the unfillable knapsack and even says, oh, that's, that's a, a better name. name. That's a much better <laughs> name. Well, what did you call it? The unfillable knapsack. Magic mm-hmm. is my strong suit. It's like, yeah, it's your strong suit and not your uh, it's not your naming ability. See, I think that item is key beneficial to any adventurer in any game is Mm -hmm. a bag of holding. And yes, in certain games, you can expand your inventory space. You Mm. don't have to buy another bag. Or you have to buy other bags to expand your inventory space. For Montana, Mm -hmm. we're going to use his full name because Clyde does adopt him, heir of Cogshall. Montana Cogshall gets a bag of holding that has no limits. As long as he can fit it into the bag, it will stay. And it just goes into an alternate dimension. And like when I first heard of the bag, I like I thought he I couldn't remember where he got it because I took a break from reading where I left mm-hmm. off of book three to get to book four. Um, I thought that that bag was a lot smaller. Like I just pictured it like, you know, a little coin purse or something like, you know, mm-hmm. um, I look at it like how the bags in World of Warcraft looked down in the bottom yeah. corner. I didn't really remember picturing it as a backpack until I went back and re-listened to it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that bag's big. I forgot that yeah, as long cause... as he could fit something into it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it also has a really good ability to where no one can steal from said bag. Oh, yeah. So even if he dies and comes back, all the possessions will still be in that bag because they are te- that bag is technically soul bound to him. So even mm-hmm. though he has his response, he gets to keep it. So. That's a that's a really overpowered item. Let's be real. Uh-huh. Yeah, because when he first gets it, I also pictured like a small, mm-hmm. you know, coin pouch type of thing. And then he's like, and I went into the room, and there was armor. I was like, oh, this is this is much bigger. Uh, he, a takes bag a than I was. <laughs> he takes a bed apart. He takes a bed apart and takes the bed <laughs> with him. Yes, he does. <laughs> I was like, this man just straight up robbed this inn of a bed, and he doesn't care. Uh, <laughs> like I said, such... he doesn't mm-hmm. care at all. He he just does. Yeah. So what I'm not because I'm not gonna do any more spoilers. I mean, mm-hmm. you can kind of already get a tone. What do you expect from the series? Like going in, diving into the rest of the series, what are you expecting? It's he got a very interesting uh, found family, which will allow him a unique kind of experience in this world as his original job is one that allows travel to see stuff, as you kind of talked about. Mm-hmm. and then the the adoption happens and which kind of i assume would allow for a bit more of a unique kind of interaction with the world than 
the generic working man would get to see. And so to, to take that experience and apply it to his, his skill set and his way of interacting with this world <laughs> is going to create a lot of interesting sort of, it already does interesting scenarios in this book that are fun, gruesome, but funny to kind of experience uh, from his perspective and then to inevitably see everyone else kind of react to what he does is uh, going to be a fun thing. There are some very brutal moments that are about to come up. And as I say, and you probably know as a, a fan of literature, whether it's manga, comic books, or <laughs> fantasy books, don't get attached. That is my warning. And that will be my warning throughout lit RPG books. Um, and I will always emphasize on that. Do not get attached to anyone in this in this series because it will leave you with nothing but hurt. I've cried. I, I won't lie. I, I, I will admit I've cried. There's a, there's a couple moments where he gets a quest and one of the quests are like things for failure is grievance and acting rash and one of those penalties hits and like it just, you you have to take a moment and like if i was reading the book i would have had to put the book down i'm gonna mm, go ahead and throw yeah. a spoiler alert out there for harry potter my copy of harry potter deathly hollows which is right there under that sleeve is has a lot of dents because I chucked that book across the classroom multiple times when I got that for my, uh, what would that have been? My 12th birthday? Yeah, my 12th birthday, I got that book because that's when it came out. Mm -hmm. So I was in sixth grade and I threw that book three times in a matter of a week. I had to substitute oh, that whole week and I threw that <laughs> damn book. He even goes... Because he goes, what part are you at? And I, all I had to say was Malfoy Manor. And he goes, it's going to get worse. I said, oh, God damn it. <laughs> you looked like you had something to say there. What what were you about to say? Uh, I have been a substitute teacher. And it is so odd as a adult at that point in my life. Where I just finished school. I needed work. I was applying for other things, but the easy, everyone, every school needs substitute teachers. Yeah. And so I did that. And it was so odd to, to have to observe people. Cause when I was at school, I did my work. I read books. I drew, I didn't really interact unless I had friends. Mm -hmm. I didn't, that's fine. I could do what, do what I need to do. And then to be a, a substitute and just to have to sit there and watch people and you could see the hubs of people and then there's just the people that just do random things which you as an adult are just like oh that's that's a thing that has just happened that i have to now know how to deal with and so to imagine me sitting there doing my thing attempting to pay attention and just a book flies i'm like do do i need to do something <laughs> like what happens from the substitute's perspective like what do they well, do 
I will say in my defense, I did throw it away from people. So I didn't take the chance of possibly knocking someone out with a book that's like 700 pages and a hardback because I've been hit by that book. I've been hit by it. My friend threw it at me. It it hurt. So I, I, I knew. But there's a couple moments in pretty much a lot of lit RPGs and a lot of fantasy books that that will have you like that. And that's yeah. it's all about the way the author handles that moment for me, because yeah. you can either handle it very good or very poorly. Yeah. There's no in between. Yeah. And Eric Uglin's writing style. With the combination, like even without the combination, I'll I'll wait is fantastic when it comes to those emotional moments. <laughs> the combination of Eric Uglund and Neil Hellicker's absolute stellar. Holy mm-hmm. crap. And there's only, there's very few like authors and audiobook narrators to where I can say that combination like is on a list. Like I can count it on five, uh, five fingers, one hand. Mm-hmm. I, I was about to say five hands, but I was like, no, hold on. Yeah. Five fingers. I can count the combination of an audiobook narrator and the author just absolutely killing it with that. Mm-hmm. But I won't say it. I'll just say that's one of them. And I'll have to dribble in the rest of them. So, so that's a, uh, a interesting aspect for me because I haven't really got into the the audiobook side of it, right? And so um, I always kind of read the I get traditional uh, way of, of doing the books, and so it's uh, it's an odd thing to kind of think about how much the the voice actor the actor can kind of add to the experience because uh, when uh, when I was a kid, uh, I had to explain to my mom that when I read books, I hear voices in my head i see cartoons in my head and that's kind of how it is and so she was like oh that's a very good thing and later in life in high school i met someone who can't do that and it's such an odd experience where i was like oh that's why you don't like reading (laughs) i that's so so i because of how much i work i don't really ever have time to Mm -hmm. just like sit down and read like i have to you know Mm -hmm. really cut out a lot of time but by that point, yeah. I'm just either too tired and I'm, or my mind is like focused on something else completely. That's yeah. why I like the audiobook aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I am very picky about my audiobook narrators. Mm-hmm. And I won't lie, uh, Neil Helliger's, it did take me a little bit to, to get into him. Um, I was mm-hmm. very stuck on Nick Podell, which mm-hmm. he's a fantastic audio, audiobook narrator. Um, he narrated the land, which was my introduction into the lit RPG genre because my best friend, Joel, who's my co-host on here, got me into it. Um, Mm -hmm. it was really hard for me to like, Mm kind of like break away just because like my anxiety and everything, like I I had my comfort zone and I wanted to stay Mm -hmm. there. So like, as I started to branch out and like, I've gone through a lot, I think as a total, I've gone through. Last year alone, I did 102 audiobooks by the end uh, from, you know, January 1st mm-hmm. to December 31st. I did 102 books um, this year. I think I've done about 50 or 60. I like I'm very, very into this genre of books, which 
earned me the title from Ruben as the lit RPG expert on the penultimate conquest. <laughs> so when I listen to these, like I can see, like I, I find myself sometimes where I just stop and I can just see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's all about that capturing. So if you ever do get a chance to listen to the audiobook, please do. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. But we've talked about a lot of the positives. We're kind of running out a little bit of time. So we're going to do one last uh, segment where we're going to talk about one thing you didn't really care for. Mm-hmm. And then end it with a one thing you really, really liked. Mm-hmm. So I'll let you go first. So I know you liked the the kind of opening mm-hmm. of uh, the mountaintop. Yes. And so for me, I liked the the part where he did the the sledding. I liked that part. But then after that, it uh, you get some uh, what do you call it? Some memories, kind of tidbits of uh, some things of his past. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from my perspective, who read just the one book and didn't know, you know, there's ten books that he. Obviously, he has a plan and all these sorts of things. Uh, oh, he doesn't have so a plan. For, well, you, you know, yeah, I, mean, I know. What you like, mean. It's not he's going to bring it up and it's not just going to sit there and do nothing. But uh, so from my perspective, to have just the one kind of consolidated book, the mountaintop, um, not having him with people um, of any sort for, you know, that stretch, you know, it's not a ton of uh, in terms of the book, but for that opening that is your chance as a reader to get to know this character, to find out why, why should I stick with this and not move on? Because as we all know, there's so much to do in terms of how you want to spend your free time. Um, and so for me, missing those interactions that make him uh, a unique or interesting character off the bat, like the, the sledding was fun. Like, okay, I can see the kind of man this is in that one moment. But then for it to slow down, like, okay, he's smart. He knows how to take care of himself in this specific situation. But then it kind of becomes just the mountain. And I don't normally read sort of kind of survivalist. Those where that is prevalent. And so that was not as much a hook for me. It was when we got to the town and he started to meet people, learn about the world. And it, I really got interested in it in that part. And so that intro, intro bit for me was not as much of a, hook as i wanted it to be okay i'll uh i'll I'll agree with you there actually because that's what i was kind of going to say was the the hook itself wasn't it didn't grab me right away it didn't really grab me until like the sledding part like when i first started i was like wow they're going he he's going somewhere with this Mm -hmm. it it was a big uh you know a bit rough for me but a lot of people in the lit rpg community were like oh yeah the good guys the good guys the good guys this is such a good series Mm -hmm. And I even posted, I was like, all right, is this series like really good? And I think at that point only, I want to say book seven had just came out on Audible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it got to the point where it was the new covers, because on Audible, the first six books have the old covers where Kindle has new covers for the, the first mm-hmm. six and then the actual covers for book seven, eight, etc. Um, so I like had the classic ones and I even posted it to the lit RPG group and I, they were like, wow, those are the original covers. I haven't seen those in a while. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know there were new covers. All right. 
so like going into it, I, I was like, all right, this is going to be like one of the best series. So I had a lot of high standards for it. Mm-hmm. And the first I should have warned you, like the first couple chapters, it's like, OK, like this is this is unique. Like it's it's definitely the world building, which is always a problem for me. Like it's like if most of the time if the first couple of chapters don't really hook me, then I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Then I got to the part where he's on the mountain and he's like, all right, well, I'm going to I'm going to shield surf down. I was hooked. And like, yeah, it does slow down a little bit, but that's okay because like every you can't always have nonstop action. Mm-hmm. And I think Eric Ewan does handle that very well. He like even the slower parts, like especially later on, like I am invested. Like mm-hmm. I, I want to know every little detail about like what's going on. So yeah. that's really like, yes, the opening, it's a bit rough. That's my con. That's my one con for it. It, it is. It is a bit rough. Like, yes, like we're going like he's ready to kill himself at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a bit rough because, you know, like. Yikes, but. As it goes in a little bit more, it's just like, wow, this is really good. The world building is fantastic. There's really good mechanics. There's a unique level up system, the choice system that mm-hmm. he gets. I like that because he doesn't just make a, a barbarian right off the bat. He doesn't make a mage right off the bat. He has to actually think about, hey, what do I want to be? So that's a really unique concept that doesn't really happen a lot in these kinds of books. Because you're either just like you you log into a game and you're like, all right, this is what I want to be. You, the other one, this is what I want to be. And that's kind of like what the bad guys does with Clyde. Um, he's like, yeah, I want to be a rogue right off the bat. And then stuff happens and he changes that decision really quickly. Which there's seven books in that right now, I think. I know there's six on Audible. Seven's coming out soon, I think. I got to remember. I, I'm far behind. I have a lot of series right now. So mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. Anthony, I want to thank you for being on. And uh, I'm glad you enjoyed your first adventure into the Lit RPG universe. And I'm excited to hear more. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me at Digital Encounter on the social medias. It's kind of uniform in that way, so pick one. Okay. Um, it, right now, I uh, recently in life, uh, I just got uh, a job at a TV station, and so I have been finally able to apply what I learned at school and then practice uh, on social media with the, everyone here and start to apply it in a job sense, and so I could finally kind of calm down because I always try to do a lot uh you know artist perfectionist sort of thing and so now I feel comfortable in life because I finally have an income again after pandemic uh this pandemic was rough have yep steady income finally so I can happily and uh guilt-free sit down and make things again which is nice and I just got a new tripod because my older broke because it was like a Walmart tripod and it was not meant to last through college and it did and then it stopped so very excited to go through and uh, dive back into my uh, what do you call it tabletop uh, kind of videos that I want to go through and do so all right well and uh, you can always find me at Rich Dolphus or you can find both of us here on the penultimate conquest where Anthony and I have done a few episodes before together, and uh, we will most likely be doing some here in the near future. But 
our next show, Joel will be returning, which I'll give you a quick update real quick. Joel has been moving, so that's why he's not on this episode. He's still trying to get his episode or his uh, new house. Him and his uh, girlfriend just closed on a house, and now they are getting ready to travel to Dragon Con. And by the time this episode is posted on YouTube or on the podcast apps, he will most likely be at Dragon Con. So shout out to Joel. And if any of my lit RPG people are listening, please hunt him down. Say hello to him. Give him a hug. All that fun stuff. Tell him gnomes rule because gnomes do rule. Our next episode, which will be on the 12th of September, if I am looking at my dates correctly, which don't hold me to that. Yes, the 12th of September, since we do this bi-weekly. Joel and I will be covering The System Apocalypse by Thao Wong, which is a fantastic series. I'm in book three currently, and whew, it's good. It's really, really good. If you like uh, sci-fi and stuff like that, that's going to be the one to listen to. But if you like your fantasy and your isekai type stuff, please check out The Good Guys by Eric Ugland. As always, I am your wood RPG expert here on the Penultimate Conquest, Richie Stevens. And I was so happily joined today by Anthony, which I do need to make a, uh, a trip back home and uh, pick up Joel, and then we can do a little road trip and take Anthony fishing, and we can talk about lit RPGs. But I've been your host tonight, Richie Stevens. Have a wonderful, wonderful night. And as always, gnomes rule. <laughs>